Happy Thursday. Patrick and I are going to be doing our Western Conference All-Stars a little ahead of time, but why not? Why not celebrate the best players in the league? Let's just get right into foul trouble, man. Let's get into foul trouble. Great night of basketball last night. A lot of great West West Coast games last night. Um, yeah, I watched the Heat come into LA and just kind of not not embarrass the Lakers, but just kind of go like, yeah, like simple layups are worth the same as highlight lobs, and we're going to play a 2-3 zone, and it's going to look like a eighth grade rec league game a little bit at times other than the lobs. But <laughs> Yeah, I watched um, the Clippers just like decide to not – miss any more shots uh, for the rest of the season against the Suns. Um, but yeah, two great games, but let's, I don't know. Last episode, we started with the guys who just missed the cut for us. Do you want to start there or do you want to like make that a surprise at the end? How you feeling? Yeah. So I think this is where it's going to get interesting. So Patrick and I were making our Western conference all-star teams. For me, we texted a lot back and forth about it. For me, I had 10 players that were absolute locks from what it sounds like, Patrick, you had nine players who were absolute locks. And I know the 10th guy we both have. We'll get into him later. But yeah, I think we should start with the reserves. So I considered 20 players for 20, for the 12 spots in the All-Star spot. I was around like 24 players. There was just so many guys that I felt like. And like as we were talking, like totally forgot Alperin Shengun was a guy. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this dude is averaging like a, a season that in a normal NBA year, would be an absolute stone-cold lock to be an all-star. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Are, are we just getting into yeah, the guys that we'll just, just missed? Go, or? Like, yeah, so one guy I considered, but he didn't make it, uh, Desmond Bain. He's averaging 24.6 points a game, four rebounds, three assists. You know, this is the type of season where usually a guy like Bain can ascend to the all-star team, you know, with jaw out. But ultimately, like, not having Adams, not having some of those other bigs on their team, the team success really wasn't there. Also, like, three assists. I know he's playing with Smart and stuff, but I wanted to see the playmaking tick up a little bit for how much more on-ball duty Desmond Bain got. But, you know, 24.6 points is nothing to sneeze at. He's still a really efficient player. He actually is one of the highest uh, points per shot attempt in the whole league which was kind of why I was like, I feel like Desmond Bain deserves a nod, but ultimately he didn't make the cut for me. Yeah, yeah, I was there as well with Desmond Bain. And also, like, I just hate to give it to guys that are on teams that are not in the playing mix at all. I feel like that's a very low bar. Um, two guys that are in the playoff mix and playoff picture as it is that didn't make it for me, Paul George and James Harden. Um, I think... Both of them, Paul George, like we we were talking about it via text, like extremely, extremely efficient. Got one guy that's been maybe even a little bit more efficient than Paul George is James Harden. Uh, he's got a 59 effective field goal percentage right now. Just like he when he shoots, he's making it right now. And that speaks to just the success that the Clippers have had this year. Also, James Harden's creation has yeah. been really, really awesome. Yeah, so I, so my main crux for leaving Harden off was obviously he misses the first four games of the season. He gets traded to the Clippers. His first, like, 13 games with the Clippers are, like, really meh. The mm -hmm. last, like, 15, 16 have been really amazing. If he was doing that the entire season, he's a stone-cold all-star lock. Uh, one fun Harden stat that made me think, you know what, maybe I should put him on anyway, because we, we are projecting forward a little bit, right? There's a whole month before 
voting in. So I will say of the players who didn't miss it, I think Harden's the most likely to sneak in because of how good he's been lately. But right now, Harden, I think, is the most efficient isolation player. Yes, he's just yes, ahead of SGA. Is. Yes, you saw that last night in your research too. Yeah, dude, I saw it in the game. Like he could <laughs> not miss a shot from like two point, like mid range area. Obviously, he's like shooting bonkers from three, shooting forty or no forty two percent from three right now, which is like just sick. Um, but honest, another reason why I didn't put James Harden on is uh, he, like, kamikaze dive-bombed or tried to the Sixers season, which, like, that's got to count for something. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am holding it against him because he does miss the first four games and effectively misses, like, the first 15 with how bad he was to start his Clippers tenure. I think for me it's, like, he did request a trade over the summer, so it's not necessarily his fault the Sixers didn't do act on it earlier slash I, if I'm not mistaken, he tried to play and they like didn't let him board the team plane at one point. I, I remember that being a little funky. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't really exactly know what it was like, but there's two ways you could deal with something like that. <laughs> it's the way we've always known James Harden to deal with stuff like that. And there's the way that like Kevin Durant dealt with it last year, where the way Damian Lillard was dealing with it of just like, there's no question. These guys are super professional and they're not going to, like, be out with Da Baby all well, night. But hold on, though, because I think the way the team handles it really affects the way we view the player. Like, Anthony Davis had this, like, horribly tarnished reputation for the way he handled his trade request. But he was, like, demanding that they play him, and they just refused to play him. So everyone's like, look at him sitting games. And it's like, I mean. Get that Looney Tune shirt off yeah, him like, right I, now. I, I, I don't yeah, know. I know what you're you saying. know what I mean? It's like it's kind of, the Pelicans, the way they handled it colored the perception the way people viewed Davis. All right. Uh, he also did say that Daryl Morey was a, a liar, liar like yeah. two weeks before the season started. So I'm just saying like, I don't know. But yes, uh, Harden. Who else you got? Who else you got? We can move on from this. Uh, I had both Pelicans guys just outside Zion. So Zion's actually Same. averaging more minutes, but he's averaging a career low in points and efficiency. So this is actually just the worst version of Zion. So I don't think you should be an all-star being the worst version of yourself. Ingram just kind of is it bad my notes just wrote, eh? There's just something very underwhelming about B.I. that I just I just don't think he's up there with the 12 guys I ended up picking. Yeah, I mean, I think if he, he's shooting 35% from three right now, I think if he was around like 38, obviously if he was 40%, then that's the kind of resume where it's like we can't overlook him anymore. But like... He's not bringing that much to the table as far as like creating for others other than just like with his scoring gravity. Yeah, like my thing with Ingram has always been like because I feel like the best version of Ingram that I've seen is like when he actually gets to run the pick and roll a lot. But the problem is it's like he's good at it. He's not great at it. And it's like if that's the best version of yourself and the best way to use you has kind of a lower ceiling. Like I just have a problem with players like that in general. I think Ingram's isolation package is a little overrated mm -hmm. i don't think he's quite the mid-range monster durant is or leonard leonard are and you know just like he's a little bit more frail he's not the best defender of a lot of these guys so that's just kind of for me a lot of a flavor thing but also just i just don't view him as the same offensive ceiling raiser that i view the 12 starters as yeah it's it's also really tough to be a forward in the in the west right now which i came to find out i guess a forward in either, either conference either yeah. conference 
But yeah, um, speaking on Zion a little bit, I was really surprised. Did you look at his on-off numbers? No. The Pelicans' offense actually gets two points worse per 100 possessions in their offensive rating when Zion's on the court. And it's like, this is a guy, we're going to talk about it later, but guys that primarily their value comes on offense, I'm not loving it when I see that the offense is getting worse when you're on the court. So that was like a huge reason why I didn't have Zion on there. But yeah, I mean, you know, Zion's still shooting 58% from the floor. Like that's, that's awesome. But at 22 points uh, wasn't really enough. And like, I don't know when I like imagined Zion when he was at Duke and stuff, I'm like, imagine this guy's like an automatic, like uh, at least 20 and 10 guy. And like, I wish he could commit to the, like crashing the boards in that way. I know it's somewhat schematic, but like, that's the real like inefficiency that that Zion can destroy with just his body type and his athleticism. And we haven't really seen that. We've seen a downtick in yeah. his rebounding. I, I think the really interesting about Zion, we won't get too much on Zion, is like I feel like there's so many different perspectives on the best way to use him. Because even you and I debated earlier in the season, like I was like, I kind of like him as a pick and roll ball handler. And you were like, I kind of like him as a pick and roll roll man. And you know what I mean? It's like there's so many different ways to challenge or tackle the Zion, like how to use him best. But let's not spend too much more time on the Pels. Who was the next person you had just kind of considered? Um, I mean, I don't know how much, like, how deep do we want to go? I, let's I, I go can pretty give shallow for the rest of the reserves, except for the two that we both had either in or on the border. Which okay. we both know were Shingun and Gobert. Yeah, yeah, well, why, why don't we just jump into those well, guys? Just, one right other guy now, I considered was Chet. Okay, okay, yeah. You want to um, give out the Chet? Yeah, Chet's been really good. He's been an amazing shooter. He's been a really, really good defender. He's up there in blocks per game with a lot of the best defenders. Obviously, blocks aren't the best metric, but... Yeah, I just I feel like Chet's still not enough self creation for me, and um, yeah, I just I just think it's I just didn't I just don't find him to be as impactful as the twelve guys, and I'd rather talk about those twelve guys and let them speak for themselves. But Chet's been really really good. He's gonna make an All Star game next year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chet's that was this kind of the same thing. I think for the me. other thing for me with Chet though is the Thunder are oddly very similar per a hundred offensively and defensively with him on and off the court. Yeah, which yeah, is like I one of those that. like you don't want to hold against somebody if the team has a good bench. Yes, like that's exactly. the thing. Sometimes those like oh the team's actually a lot better with this out this guy. It's like because like the Knicks had that problem too, right? Where it's like Brunson might have that effect where you're like, wait, why are the Knicks oddly better without Brunson? It's really just because their bench is so good, not because Brunson's a negative. Um, but like it's it's kind of interesting though for a team like the Thunder. Everybody says like the one like gap that they have is they don't really have a true backup big and really it doesn't show in the numbers at all that once Chet comes off, they're needing that big. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's more of a playoff thing. Okay. Let's talk about Gobert. So I think Gobert has kind of been a popular pick as people just tentatively think about it. Patrick, here's really why I just don't think Gobert can be in there. He... I want there's an Eastern Conference player that I was doing a little comp for who has a better defensive field goal percentage difference. So he's better at contesting shots statistically, at, you know, defending. He's a bigger he's a bigger offensive role um, and he didn't make the all star game this year. Well, he won't make it this year. He didn't make it last year. Do you know who I'm talking about? 
I'm going to guess Miles Turner. It's Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. And I was, I, I don't know, Patrick. What does Rudy Gobert do better than Evan Mobley? Um, and that's I mean, kind of where I was like, okay. He can play center. Evan Mobley's been playing center this year. Yeah, yeah. Or, I know Mobley's kind of been out and in, but like, I don't know. Mobley's actually like statistically more of a deterrent at the rim. He's even defending more volume of shots at the rim and allowing less field goal percentage. Like he's giving you a lot more on offense than Gobert is. Um, another thing for me is like as an all-star, I want you to be a star. Uh, when they played the Sixers, uh, Gobert shot the ball four times and his primary uh, <laughs> player guard had scored 51 points. Oof, oof. So I obviously you don't, I don't want to hold it against somebody that like, Embiid dropped a 50 bomb on you. That's not fair. Like maybe no one would make the all-star team if that's the criteria, but like four shot attempts, you, you're, if you're an all-star, I don't know that to me, that doesn't work. Yeah. He's, he's really not adding too much value at all. Uh, other than like his screening is obviously like best in the league. We're not, no more, um, no go bear screen assists. <laughs> no, but we're not um, doing it. The, the biggest thing for me with Gobert is we've seen Gobert years where he's leading the league in rebounding and he's ha he has like 15 rebounds a game. If this was one of those years, I think I probably would have had him on my list. Um, but it's just not been one of those years. 12 and 12 is kind of like, I don't know, it's middle of the road for like a Gobert season. And for a guy that's not really adding much to your offense other than that screening and rebounding value. Um, I'm going to need just like a higher level of that at the end of the day. One thing we were talking a bit, a little bit about like not trying to like punish people for having really great benches. One pretty good bench that we've seen throughout the year. They're one of the best teams in the league. It's the Timberwolves. And I was actually surprised that when Gobert's off the court, like, they're still they're putting Nas Reed on the court, who's really, really great. Good. They're still playing two two bigs. Gobert still has that on off swing, which I think is the is the best defensively. argument defensively. Yeah, um, and, and he's not punishing them too. They, I think they're like a point worse with uh, Gobert on the Nas Reed, which kind of makes sense. Um, but their defense is seven points better in their, their defensive rating when Gobert is on the court. Uh, I mean, he he has the best def single-player defensive rating in the league, first in defensive win shares, uh, eighth in blocks per game. He's had a super dominant year, but I just don't think it was enough for me to put him over the guys I had on my list. Mm -hmm. So the, the guy I had first out, the guy that I really, really wanted to put in, but I just couldn't justify him over the guy I ended up going with, was Alperin Shengun, who you do have in, right? I did, yeah. He was my last addition. Uh, so Shengun is averaging 21.3, 9.1 rebounds, 5.3 assists. Um, yeah, I love Shengun. I love how much of a hub he is on offense. Um, I love how the Rockets can use him in so many different ways. He's a super crafty post player. Um, I kind of love like, yeah, I love like hub big men like this. He's kind of like in the Jokic mold. Ultimately for me, like he's not quite as efficient on post-ups as I thought he was going to be when I kind of went through the stats. Um, he's kind of actually below a lot of these other like bigs in that metric and he is posting up quite a bit. Um, he's one of the league leaders in posts per game. So yeah, I love Shengun. What is the thing that made you feel like he really should be in? Yeah, I mean, just his overall offensive production. Like, he's averaging 21 points a game, nine rebounds, and five assists. For 
it, you look back in NBA history of guys, just those super basic raw stats. No one in NBA history has ever averaged those numbers and not made the all-star game. Really? That was, that will probably change this year because Scotty Barnes is also averaging. Oh, those. I guess one person actually did, which you are going to laugh. Is it Harden? It is Russell Westbrook when he was with the Wizards. <laughs> that is the one person. But he missed a bunch of games at the start of that year. So really, like, that is a clear, like, all-star, like, floor. But I've just really, like, been impressed with how much the Rockets are playing through him. I think there was a idea that it would be mainly Fred Van Vliet leading the show for this Rockets team going into the year. And it really hasn't been that that case at all i found it really interesting of bigs shangun is in the 93rd percentile of being fouled with the ball non-shooting fouls so he's just like he has that in people's weird, he heads. has that like, Jokic quality to him he really is kind of like baby Jokic, which i know has like been said a lot but he really is like he's a really crafty pastor passes from unique angles like he has a nice scoring package in the post like another guy we talked about like with shet like would be shocked if Shengun's not an all-star next year. Yeah, I, I you can go either way with him, but I just felt like his overall offensive impact, the defense is definitely the main yeah. point where you start questioning if he is that guy. He's but not, at the end of the day, for me, he's playing 30 minutes a game. This is a top 10 defense in the league. He, yeah, he's not a negative on defense, but he's not a popping positive like some of these other bigs. Absolutely, absolutely. And like... At the end of the day, I was really surprised. He's like top 10 in a lot of these like advanced defense in defensive blocks plus minus defensive win shares. So like there's something about him being on the court that is working with the Rockets personnel. Obviously, the Rockets are chocked full with these really long Tari Eason type defenders. But um, I, I that was enough for me to give him the nod as a front court player. Yeah, I, I really wanted to put Shingun in, and maybe at the end of the podcast, I'll switch him with the guy I switched him for. I, you, I, I don't, I, I don't think it will be hard for you to convince me to do that, but we'll see. All right, so who are your five starters? My five starters. Uh, I would be really surprised if they weren't just, your five. Just starters. go down the list: Shea, Luca, Jokic, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Wow. Okay. No, I had Luka Doncic. Okay. Shea Gilders Alexander, Kevin Durant. Okay. LeBron James and Nikola Jokic. I love that. Yeah, I love so I guess <laughs> AD and Durant was where we differed. Or, uh, okay, you had LeBron in. I had LeBron in too. Okay, gotcha. So gotcha. I don't know. We don't need to spend too much time on Luka and Shea. I'm just going to read their stat lines. But Luka's averaging 33.4, 8.3, 9.4. I mean, he's the best heliocentric player in the league right now. He's arguably the best half-court passer. Shea Gilders Alexander is averaging like over 30 as well. We just saw them beat the Celtics, the Nuggets, and the Timberwolves like in the last three weeks. Obviously, like the, the Thunder are amazing, and the biggest part of why they're amazing is because of Shea. He's arguably like top, arguably the best, if not just a top three, top four isolation player, just unstoppable getting into the paint. LeBron James, we both had uh, just absurdly efficient this year 25.4 7.4 rebounds and assists he's averaging 41 percent from three 59 from two um all all the good laker lineups are just the ones with lebron in them like lebron playing is just a positive for the lakers lakers are bad without lebron uh he's just been incredible he's still a great rebounder and passer amazing cutter 
it's a big thing with LeBron. LeBron, can I can I give you a little stat that is just like a super simple set stat, but I just really encapsulates like why LeBron is one of the goats and is just awesome. So he's averaging 25, 7 and 7. Yeah. I wanted to see like who are like the oldest dudes that have ever averaged 25, 7 and 7. The six oldest 25, 7, and 7 years are all, are him. all LeBron James. Yeah. No, he's timeless. He's defeated Father Time. Like Father Time has taken I'm gonna give Father Time two L's. Like Tom Brady and LeBron have handed that man a fat L. You pointed out to me a couple weeks ago that that um LeBron versus Father Time commercial was, was like, like four, four years ago. Now. Yes, I don't know if anyone remembers. There was a Nike commercial about like LeBron versus Father Time, and that was a long time ago. Uh, Jokic, the other guy that we both had, I, I don't think we need to justify Jokic, 25.7, 12.3, 9.1. Where we differed was I had Kevin Durant, you had Anthony Davis. So why do you think Davis deserves the nod over Durant? You know, I mean, obviously I've like really deep dive watched KD this season and just like I, I test, I, I think Katie hasn't been super, super effective on the defensive end uh, this year. He hasn't been a game changer. Um, we can, I mean, Katie's had an amazing year and probably like the best like three point shooting season that we've ever seen. And by best, you mean he's averaging 47.7% from three. This guy's make, making basically 50% of his threes. And, and the difference between <laughs> what he's doing and all pretty much all of the other people that we've ever seen shoot 47% from three is he's the number one person on every single uh, scouting report that he's going against. And he's still shooting 47% from three. All those games without Book, without Beal, without Book and Beal. He was getting so much defensive attention and he's he's still shooting 47% from 3 which is which is crazy. He's had a dip on his two-point shooting which was to be expected from yeah, last season. There were season. years in Brooklyn where he was shooting like 50% from long two. Which yeah, is just, just last not, season. Yeah, not sustainable. But one thing I like about Durant this year, he's actually crop, creeping up the, the rim attempts a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. at like he was getting he was getting down to like single digit rim attempts in the playoffs last year. Like last regular season, he had gone down to like thirteen percent. He's up to twenty percent of attempts at the rim. I really like that for a guy like KD, who's so good at the foul line. Like one thing I haven't really liked the way KD has aged is like his insane like regular season mid range shooting is masking this like weird inability to kind of use his handle to get to the rim. And I'm like I like that at least statistically we're seeing that kind of come back for this guy. Um, cause there's been a lot of games, especially a lot, I've watched a lot of like, I haven't watched too much Suns lately, but like earlier in the season, Suns Lakers, like there was a lot of times where he was just getting to the rim in a half court set, which like, I really like for KD. I, I would be, re I, I would assume that you were talking, we have a little bit of time for this to progress. And now that Beal and book are back, I think KD's rim attempts, like you pointed out, are probably going to go up and up and up because just seeing the three games that we have or four games that we have, the spacing is as unreal as we assumed that it would be. So it's it's funny you had Davis there because I actually had another player that I had the back and forth with, and that was Kawhi. Mm. But the reason I went with Durant over Kawhi here was because like 
the counting stats one it is the all-star i do wake this is like the only award i really kind of care about counting stats a little bit more than normal for all-star like 36 and 6 like that just that clears Kawhi. that clears edwards too who was the other guy i kind of thought about here um he's more efficient than both of those guys and also just like like you've kind of talked about this throughout the season as a Suns fan, but like the team environment Katie's in this year is really bad. And despite that, he's still doing all this. So for me, that's why I was like, you know what? I, yeah. I, I wrote my notes. He's the NBA's best bad shot guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I will say the one thing to kind of talk about Katie's defense a little bit. One thing I found really surprising is the Suns defensive rating is actually two points better with Katie off the floor which as a Suns fan is just like in like I don't understand it at all because when Katie's off the floor the Suns have no big wings to throw at but a, a lot of that could be like Katie is playing so many minutes and like the eight yeah, minutes a game he's yeah. not playing or like bench first bench units and a lot of times bench units just in general have lower offensive ratings which in turn helps the other team's defensive rating but yeah i mean i had durant why did you have davis ahead of durant um i just really value the rim protection i mean davis is a once in a generation defender and i think we've really gotten the best of it this season and you know what we finally have like a huge huge scoring season out of anthony davis he's averaging 25 points a game um, shooting 55% from the field, 37% from three, knock on wood. I don't know if that's going to hold up. Obviously, it hasn't um, progressed to all of the winning that um, the Lakers may have hoped. But I do, like I said with Tyrese Halliburton, I'm giving a little hat tip to the Lakers for winning the in-season tournament. Like that happened. It was high level basketball for my eye. So I want to sh- give that a little bit of shine. Um, but also, I just, I felt like, I, I don't know. I just felt like he was the right choice. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had a season that's worth starting. I'll, I'll say that. Okay. My first reserve was Anthony Davis. Who was your first reserve? My first reserve was Kevin Durant. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So <laughs> next, Anthony Edwards, obviously. Has to be a has to be a starter here in the all or uh, has to be on the all star team for me. I didn't put him as a starter. Just the counting stats aren't there. I feel like his team environment is just so so good. But he is the guy that like you filter lineups with him in and out, and it's like he's really really impactful on both ends for the Timberwolves. But yeah, I mean, he's I'm not going to say anything bad. He's just he's an all star. He's a very deserving all star. He's the best player on what is currently the number one seed. I don't know if they're going to be that by the time the all star game happens, but. <laughs> <laughs> just the way things are max trending. is max is shaking his head right now uh, our resident timberwolves fan um yeah but i will say something max about the guards the reserve guards right after luca and shay i feel like there's a little bit of a drop um obviously a drop to greatness but i was looking at a bunch of guys to see who is going to be my first guard off the bench i was looking at steph I was looking at Paul George and James Harden, who we already talked about. I was looking Come on, at you know Book. who it is. I was looking at Fox. It's Fox. I, I, yes, it, Fox was the guy that I ended up landing on um, because Fox, I mean, he's averaging 30, 30 points a game. 4.6 rebounds, 6.1 assists. The Kings are really good again, and he's the main reason why they're really good again. But after Fox, I landed on Anthony Edwards because I do think there's defensively man defense like there's a gap there we've seen anthony edwards turn it up in a way that is like 
I think a really special level and something that if he's able to just like grab that in the playoffs can take a guy from being like a really great all NBA player to one of those kinds of guys that transcendent can, type yeah, talent. transcendent yeah. talent that can, can win playoff series for you. Yeah. I, I think like, you know, it happened a while ago, so you forget. But I do think, like, when we look back at this, like, 2023, 2024 season, and we're like, what were, like, the 10 moments that defined, like, that season? Like, I do think Edwards, like, locking Tatum up to the point where Tatum is, like, fumbling out of bounds is going to be, like, one of those moments that we look back on and we're like, oh, yeah, that was Anthony Edwards, like, telling the world, like, I'm him. We've got Max nodding a little bit <laughs> Let's now. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, now I'm, now I'm like, maybe Edwards should be a starter because he has given you a lot more than Durant def- Defensively, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Edwards, Edwards has a lot a of start. Edwards has a lot of games to start in the in his career, uh, and, and you know the 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 efficiency gap between KD and Edwards, and is, Edwards is so so big, and and also I will say I think the defensive gap between AD and Edwards is also huge. Just it for because me, he's a big, yeah, he's a big, and you know that's just how it, how it works. Big guys, they they play basketball for a reason. Um, okay, we kind of skipped over him, but let's get into Darren Fox. Can I just name a couple names real quick? Let's just because I feel like I don't I don't want to talk too much about guys that I don't think are that interesting to be on the team. Like Darren Fox, he's on your team. Mm-hmm. Darren's averaging 30, 4.6, 6.1. Kawhi Leonard, yeah. 24.4, 5.9, 3.6. I feel like the thing with the Clippers, like the whole thing has been like, look at the way they're all gelling. Like a real reason the Clippers are really winning all these games is because Kawhi is just going god mode for a long time he just doesn't miss this guy doesn't miss it is so frustrating you it doesn't matter how draped over like the suns were doubling on the catch last night and he's just like like doesn't he's never sniffed a rim it just goes straight in yeah Kawhi's the terminator and then curry who you are not quite as strong on but curry's averaging 27.3 4.4 4.5 he's the best shooter in the league still like yeah, Steph was like his like catch all advanced metrics are awesome and probably why I ended up putting him in. But he's really been a scorer this year and that's kind of it. And that's uh, because he's playing next to Chris Paul now The the Warriors are a very like guard lopsided team. But um, just the, the defense has not been like the sneaky great defense that I think we've known Steph to have. Um, he belongs there. And like you said, I mean, he might end up being yeah, a starter. So I was talking about this with Patrick before this, the show, but like Steph, I don't think should be a starter this year with the way Luca and Shea have played, but with the fan vote, I feel like Steph's never not going to be a starter. So between Luca and Shea, who do you think ends up on the bench? <sighs> I mean, I feel like Shea has all the national media attention right now, but you do have to remember it's it's a while before the game actually starts. And Luca, personally, I think has been better than Shea this year. But what do you think? I mean, I, I at in this conversation, I kind of feel like actual like basketball. You got to throw out the window, and you just got to start talking about. Who's more popular? This is a fan vote. I mean, if it's a popularity thing, like Luca's gonna make it. And that's where I land. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, Shea, I think it might be a different story come a year. 
Uh, the Thunder might have an awesome run through the playoffs. Um, Shay's skims commercials might like just really resonate <laughs> with people. Um, but he's just he's just not there from a popularity standpoint right now. Yeah, it's it's tough because we're having this conversation in the midst of like the Thunder are the best team in the world. Like, exactly. We're like in that part of the regular season right now. So obviously this is gonna sound dumb in the moment, but like yeah, I mean, and I know like Shay should start dating a Kardashian right now. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just for me. Yeah, I don't even you know I don't want to compare Luca and Shay. To me, they're the two best guards in the West this year. They're both starting. Here's the you want to know the real problem, and I know you'll agree with me on this. The Thunder have two ugly of jerseys. If they had cooler, oh, yeah. more aesthetic jerseys. jerseys, people would be buying Shay's jersey. But they're just so ugly. They look like a Love's gas station, <laughs> just like the patch on their jersey. And no one wants to wear that. Yeah. Also, Gilgis Alexander just doesn't really roll off the tongue. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's too long. Um, do American people have too much of a bias against the Canadian? Next. <laughs> After the break. Yeah. Um, uh, can we talk about Deer and Fox just a little bit? Yeah. He just, he just won a double overtime game against the Orlando Magic right now. But the only thing I want to say, okay, so we all know Deer and Fox. I think there was a long time where just kind of the rap on him is like, this guy's too small for the way he likes to play. And so he's 6'3", and he is shooting 53% on two-pointers right now which is absolutely filthy. Only two guys have ever shot with that efficiency from two as six, three or shorter players. And that's Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. Yeah. Like, like Darren Fox's scoring ability, especially the way his three point shot has come along in his career is like, and I think it's one of these things. And now I'm comparing him as Darren is the better of these two players, but like, it's kind of that thing that Maxi has too, where it's like, I am a little short, but I'm so freakishly fast, and my shot is so good that you kind of don't have a chance to guard me because you have to play up on me, and I will blow by you. Absolutely. Yeah, and, like, in the game yesterday, like, he's just nails. Like, you you just know he, he's so cool and calm when games get tight, like, it's just such a such a find by the Kings, and I know they kind of fumbled the Halliburton thing, but... It would have been really easy for them to give up on De'Aaron Fox as well. There were some really lean years there, and they stuck to it, and they've got an all-timer yeah. as far as Kings it, go. It's kind of crazy because, you know, I feel like when you look back at, like, NBA history, a lot of the archetype of these, like, super fast athletic guards, like John Wall, Westbrook, Derrick Rose, it's like they're these awe-inspiring, like, in-the-air finishers, but they never seem to have that three-point shot. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden we have this new era of NBA guards where it's like Maxi and Fox and like these guys are faster than ever, but they have such good shots. And it's like the evolution of the game. Just and obviously those three guys I mentioned before, I think probably are better passers. All maybe not Rose, but like Westbrook yeah, and Wall. But like Wall. like yeah, but I would say Fox is a better scorer than Wall. Yeah, I would say I think Fox is a better scorer than him too. And it's like it's just really kind of cool the way like I don't know. We're just seeing like these players that, you know, it used to just kind of at least be like the 2K my player, right? You can either have athleticism or shooting. And now we have guys who have both. And it's it's just cool to see. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're sitting talking about 20 
fucking thousand guys, guys for twelve for spots. Twelve spots. Uh, the other guy I didn't crazy. mention as a lock who was of a lock for me was Devin Booker. Okay, I, D- Devin Booker was a, one of my last um, no guys way. that I, I put into. So he, Booker's averaging twenty six point four points, five point three re- rebounds, seven point nine assists. Yeah, no, and that's why I ended up putting him in is just like the creation stats from book are absolutely awesome and it's just something that you don't something that you don't see for i was looking at, i really like i am cleaning so the curious ga- where on. these last two spots are gonna go i feel like we're gonna have completely different players okay so right now let's just before we if get book into wasn't book, one of your nine locks who was the other lock that you had i didn't have um let's see i had shay luca Jokic, ad lebron De'Aaron Fox, Anthony Edwards, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Those were my locks. Okay, I had all those guys. Those were my nine locks. And then Stephen Book were my last two. I put too many people on my team? You may have. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it's okay. We will work through this together. Oh, you know what? I did put 13 people on my all-star team. Ooh, Ooh. who's going to get cut? Who's going to be the water boy in Indiana? Yeah, no, I put too many people. I guess I had 11 locks. Wow. Okay. Um. Wow. Okay. Well. Okay. You can help me parse through these two because you know what I know who I'm going to go with. Let me just. But damn, now I got to talk about both of them for a second. <laughs> That's how many good players there are? I know it's so hard. <laughs> Let me for a second just say like Devin Booker's assist percentage for a combo guard like he is. He's in the 98th percentile, and he's only behind one guy, and that's Chris Paul, who doesn't have nearly the job that book has on his plate. So I'm more curious why you didn't have book as like a instant no brainer. I don't even need to think about it type of guy. Uh, Well, you know, with the Suns guys, I always try to be as objective as possible. I definitely have a bias towards them and I haven't like loved books leadership throughout this season really um the suns had a a huge bump once book came back from injury they had like this eight game um surge right when he came back but then after that i i there was just a lot of decision making stuff I, i he he was getting the raw assist totals but he wasn't really like getting other guys going wasn't really making the offense work in the way that like i wanted it to work um but at the end of the day he's just been and i think a huge part of it is the last four games before last night book was on like the coldest streak like he shot like two for 22 against the freaking trailblazers like i it, it was a little bit of recency bias from me i pay such close attention to the suns that it was like this guy he's not he's not worth anything but no he was definitely he, at the end of the day he made my all-star team okay so patrick the two people who are fighting for my last spot okay for my imaginary 13 player all-star team was carl anthony towns okay and I'll quickly go under why I like Towns over Shingun. So Towns is at 21.4, 9.2 rebounds, 2.9 assists. I think the big thing with Towns, the 41.3% from three on five attempts a game is like, that's what lets you have Gobert on the court and still have a good offense. Mm-hmm. Towns is the reason why it all works offensively for that team, in my opinion. Um, when you take Gobert off the court, they go to a 111 defensive rating. That's still really good. 
they're still really good defensively, even when Gobert's gone. Obviously, they're like elite elite when Gobert's there, but like I don't know. Towns is again, we talked about this earlier, but like the driving ability is really unique to him as a center. Like the shooting, I just think Towns is like kind of the sneaky connective glue that makes that offense kind of kind of work yes. at a high level. And I think the reason I had him over Shingun too is because and I hate to do the like swap their team situations, but like Shangun, like the post up numbers really weren't there. Like that was kind of the thing that made me caught my eye. Like Towns is a lot better in the post. Like I think if you put Towns on Houston, they're gonna lose a lot of that creation Shangun's offering. But like I think they get a big scoring punch. Whereas I think if you put Shangun on this high level team and you're like, okay, you're not the best player on the squad anymore, like adapt to Edwards and adapt to fitting with like Gobert, which isn't really fair because I'll be but like Towns was a center before that too. And it's like, I don't know if it works quite as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a really great argument to be made for Towns. I didn't end up having Towns on my roster because I was I was really trying to look at it from like just this year. Just this year, you were not a center. You are a forward. I think there's some situations where that hasn't been the easiest adjustment. Um, the Wolves have such great defensive personnel that you're kind of able to make it work. Um, I was a little disturbed by his two-point percentage. He's only shooting 55% yeah, I didn't from like two-point, which it's like, you are you should be like feasting on mismatches always. You are Carl Anthony Towns. Um, um, and then, like like you said, the, the creation, I think there's a clear bump from Shingun. Also, I think the, Ross, the Rockets just kind of deserved... Yeah, no, one hey, guy, look, I would and it was rather, so close. I would rather have Shangun than Cat, but since I only get 12 spots when I thought I had 13, apparently, can I tell you who I actually had? Yes. Jamal Murray. What? Yeah. So here's the thing with Murray. I want to let's let's rewind to earlier in the week. We talked about Jimmy Butler. The like, you can't hide that you're one of the best players in the league by just waffling in the regular season. So last season, Jamal Murray had seven 30-point games in the regular season. He had eight in the playoffs. And I went back to the bubble year, same thing. Um, so this is a guy who's just one of the best guards in the league, kind of hiding in plain sight. Um, Jokic and him are basically like the best two-man lineup in the NBA. The Nuggets are plus 11.6 when Murray's on the court. He's half of the most unguardable play in basketball. He's half of the best two-man lineup in basketball. He's the point guard of like, one of the best five, like the whole team constructions in basketball. The Nuggets are 17 and six when he's playing. So basically when Murray plays, they are the one seed. Um, he's shooting 45% from threes, averaging just under 20, 3.9 assists, 6.2 rebounds. This is projecting a forward a bit because obviously he's going to play more games. And like, I know the counting stats aren't quite there with Murray, but like, like just all he the does numbers. have rock star efficiency. It's I'll just give like you that. when Murray's on the court, the Nuggets are still the best team in the NBA, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean, I felt I feel like you could make an argument that they could be without him on, on the court on certain nights. Um, so were you doing like backcourt, backcourt, and then frontcourt, frontcourt backups no, for the reserves? I didn't I didn't think about position at all. So I did think at, not about like minute position but like general front court reserves back court reserves i was thinking about that so that was kind of like am i gonna put jamal murray over a devin booker or a steph curry no um 
So he didn't really like factor into my search that much because of just the numbers game. So then I guess for our lineups, you had Shengun in the spot and I had Murray. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of like teams that deserve two all-stars. I I just feel like as the season goes, the Nuggets are going to be the one seed. They might even be the one seed by the time this game happens. And I don't know. I think there's just something to be said, like when you're a key component of the single most unstoppable play in the whole league. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I hear you. I I think we talked a little bit preseason about who guys that were going to get their first all-star nod were. And we both had Murray. Jamal Murray circled and highlighted and underlined with red pen. Um, but it really, it really, really hurt that he missed all those games. He's only played 21 games, which isn't that far below some of these we guys. We had a lot of East guys at that number, though. Um, but I just, I don't know. I felt like we need front court players, and we have enough guards. So that was kind of where I made the the line of distinction. Um, but I, I, I respect it. Like, Jamal Murray's a hell of a, a player, and... It really, yeah, like we talked about, doesn't really make sense that he's never made an all-star team. Yeah, and like, yeah, I don't want to like repeat the stat, but like this is a guy who when like he plays a full season, he averages like way more points in the playoffs than the regular season. And I know it's a regular season all-star, but like it's kind of like the Jimmy Butler thing where it's like, hey, man, I know you're that good. So, like, you can't just hide because you guys are so dominant in the regular season you don't need to put it on when I know – you can put it on because you put it on against the best teams consistently in the highest leverage moments. I wonder if there's a, a point in Jamal Murray's career where, you know, the they haven't won a championship in a couple of years and he's not eligible for a super max deal. And he's like fucking I'm averaging 26 this year. Yeah, That or he's like, hey, I got to go somewhere where I can average 26. So here's one quirky thing with the Nuggets that I thought was funny because I was because I've one thing I don't want to be a hypocrite about was like I kind of held a lot of these guys to like the what does the team look like when it's you and not your your coworker, right? So the Nuggets are just like bad in the Murray, no Jokic minutes, but I was like, they're like really bad. And then I look at the lineups. They when they play Murray without Jokic, they also play Murray without any of the other starters. Yeah, they do the hockey. But they lineups. do the hockey thing with Murray. They leave Murray in these lineups with guys who have like no NBA experience. So this is a crazy step. Murray has only had 19 possessions with Aaron Gordon, no Jokic, and 33 possessions with Michael Porter, no Jokic. And by the way, a lot of those 19 and 33 overlapped. So there's like a total of like 40 possessions over the entire season that Murray's gotten to play with like the other decent players without Jokic. So it's also kind of like the, okay, the reason they're bad without Jokic and Murray on is because they're also taking all the other quality players off the court as well. I would love to do a deep dive on like, if this is a NBA inefficiency that Michael Malone found, like <laughs> maybe it is just more valuable to have your five best players playing together always. If you can eke out enough wins opposed to like mixing in the backups with them all the time, maybe you just take the L on your backup lineups because your starting five is just so much better. Um, that's I don't know. It's interesting, but we we always talk about the cohesion of the Nuggets. Yeah, but yeah, no, Murray, uh, Shingun, Towns were kind of the three guys I really kind of went back and forth. George at first was the other guy I really went back and forth on with these four guys. But yeah, for me, it's just, 
I know Murray doesn't have the stats. He does have the efficiency. It's just for me, it's like you just won the chip. I've seen like how impactful you are in the biggest games of the season in a way that I just haven't seen with Towns. I haven't seen with Shengun. Heck, I, I've seen it in the past with Paul George, but I haven't seen it as recently. And I just think Murray should be an all-star. Yeah. The I, Nuggets deserve more love. See, I, I get what you're saying, and I do think the Nuggets deserve more love in like a holistic, like general sense. But when I did this like at least all-star thing, I realized like I gotta stop saying like this turn this team deserves X amount of all-stars because the league's too good for that nowadays. Like yeah, no team deserves an all-star <laughs> if that means I'm leaving LeBron James off of Yeah. My list. Well, it's one of those things too with that logic where it's like, you know what team does not deserve two all-stars? Is the Suns and the Lakers. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. And they're the two teams that we both had having two all-stars. But, I mean, that's also part of the team construction, right? When you have really bad, you know, surrounding casts around superstars, superstars tend to elevate um, their personal stats, and that tends to get you into the all-star game. So, okay. So, you... So, I'm cool with any of Paul George, Shen Goon, Carl Towns being in my Murray spot. Yeah, and that's that's where I was around uh, as well. Like, honestly, I don't really see it for Murray. Like, I see like the the love, and that's probably like the best argument for it. But um, I don't know. I can't fault you, Jamal Murray. There's also a certain amount of like this is the freaking All Star game. Like, let's get guys in that will make it fun. And I think Murray would be more fun than any of those guys. I'm not yeah, going to lie. I, I agree. I agree with you. So we were kind of talking about the the Lakers and Suns just now of like being teams that don't necessarily deserve two All-Stars. There was a – you watched the Lakers Heat game last night. And there was a report this morning from – I think it was from Shams and, and The Athletic about their – I'm just going to read you the quote. There's currently a, a deepening disconnect between Darvin Ham and the Lakers locker room. Six sources with direct knowledge of the coaches stand uh, with direct knowledge of the situation say raising people are raising questions about the head coach's standing. I, and with that, I ask you, does letting go of Darvin Ham fix any of the Lakers problems? What, what do you feel like around that question? I mean, the Lakers, they've had this thing going back to Vogel in the first Westbrook year where, like, if you actually go, like, through a lot of the teams, right, most teams will have a lineup at this point that has, like, 500, 600 possessions, right? Like, they have a lot of cohesion. This has been a thing for, like, this is, like, three years running out for the Lakers where, like, they never have a lineup that has a lot of play time. Because I know the thing with the Lakers you've been hearing a lot is, like, we've been injured. And it's, like, LeBron's been playing. Davis has been playing. Like, me and you both had them as all-stars. You had them both as all-star starters. I think Davis is worthy of being an all-star starter. Like, the team should be better. But, like, they are standing Cam Reddish. And I know, like, I think for a lot of people, like, maybe you haven't been watching as much. You're still in football mode. It's like you saw Cam Reddish in the in-season tournament hitting, like, a dagger three. But, like, the guy can't shoot. Yeah. The guy's defense also was, like, really peaking high-level stuff earlier. Like, that's not really him, his whole body of work. Like... I, I think, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's with ham. It's, I can see both sides of the, like, what is a new coach going to do that is really going to change things? I mean, like, 
I thought benching Reeves, like, it kind of made sense. Like, we need to boost the bench unit. But at the same time, it's like, we know the best version of this team is Reeves, LeBron, Davis. And it kind of, we talked about this Malone, like, two minutes ago. Is like, is there something to just, like, it's okay to lose your bench minutes if your starters just are destroying the other team consistently? And it's like, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's nothing I see from him that makes me feel like he's really, really worthy being of being kept. But at the same time, I also don't know necessarily what ham like i don't really know what i would do right now to immediately alleviate a lot of the issues the lakers are having yeah I, i'm right there with you I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the, the one like x's and o's thing that i can kind of see that i would give a, a knock on darvin ham and his decision making is you know putting that commitment in d'angelo russell instead of a guy that seems to be a clear piece of your future in Austin Reeves. Um, but I don't know. It, I just, I've been saying it all season. This like greatness that we've seen from LeBron and Anthony Davis and the health that we've seen from them, everything about their last, uh, about the whole Lakers tenure would tell us that there's going to be a portion of time where these guys aren't on the floor and I just the the floor already is pretty low with them on the floor. What happens when they're not out there? Yeah, I mean, and there's a new head coach in the I, I just I wouldn't fire him just because that's almost admitting that we're a mess. I think it's interesting because I feel like I don't know how Suns fans feel about Vogel, but I didn't like when the Lakers dropped Vogel personally like. I don't know what Vogel was supposed to do with that Westbrook roster. Like, that team was a disaster roster-wise. Like, I don't know what any coach was supposed to do with that unless, like, Eric Spolstra was like, hey, we're going to play a 5-0 zone and invent a new way to play basketball. Like, you know, like, but, like, with the Lakers, right, they're the tw- they're 26 and three-point percentage, right? This team cannot shoot. Like, the best shooter on the team is LeBron James, which, like, that's happened. The Heat were in 2012. The best shooter on the team statistically was LeBron. He was actually ahead of Ray Allen that one year. But, like... Like Gabe Vincent, you know, they're waiting for him to come back. Gabe Vincent, the last two years, shot 36% and 33%. Like, I don't know. It's it's not any different than like He's a D-Lo. He's not going to save your life. It's not different than like a D-Lo, right? And like, it it is tough because it's like, I feel like Reeves is like kind of the guy when you're watching Laker games where it's like, oh, he has the open three. He's going to make it. But it's also like Reeves gives you a lot of value from his on-ball stuff. And it's like. It's nice that he can play on the ball or off the ball with LeBron, but it's like I feel like this team needs shooting, like real shooting, and I think that's kind of the real crux of the issue because they generate open looks. Yeah, they do. They and I think that's sure I think that's a lot of the times the problem with a lot of the times we analyze coaches in all sports where players don't execute and then the coach will get blamed. We're looking at results instead of process. Yeah, like weird comparison, but like my football team, the Giants, like earlier in the season, there was this like fire the offensive coordinator. And then every week, like PFF will put out like the all 22. And it's like, wow, look at how there's three tight ends who are wide open down 20 yards down the field. Why didn't the quarterback throw to them? And then people are like, fire the offensive coordinator. And it's like, is it the offensive coordinator's fault when guys are getting wide open? And with the Lakers too, it's like, if whatever Darwin's doing is resulting in like LeBron generating wide open looks for guys, like, is that Darwin or is that just like Torian Prince needs to hit a fucking three point shot? Yeah. So are you saying that the Lakers are more like the Giants than the Steelers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I see that. Yeah. I mean, I would, I don't know. For any team that's ever contending, 
and the year has turned over, I would never suggest firing your coach at this point because it pretty much never, ever, ever works out. Like we've seen a maybe there's I would have to dive into the history of it, but it usually doesn't turn out for me. I would say just see it right out this year. See how it goes. Hope that you don't get injured. Hope that you sneak into the plan and you can go up against one of these really, really young rosters in the playoffs and finally get rid of Rob Palenka. I, I'm sorry. I just, the the Lakers were churning out awesome, young, like diamonds in the rough from f- long before Palenka came into the fold. They were, they were finding weird guys like, you know, a, a Kyle Kuzma or a Jordan Clarkson late in the draft. I think there's just something about the the Lakers scouting department that will be there with or without Rob Palenka. But at the end of the day, we just haven't seen Rob Palenka be able to deliver on a true vision that has worked for this for this Lakers ro- roster and franchise around LeBron and AD. Yeah, you know, like, I think the one thing, though, that I, I the reason I don't love talking about coaches for like, you know, basketball is like it's really often hard to identify like from the outside, like, OK, they're doing this wrong. They're doing this wrong. But like if like I think they should let him go if you're in a situation where like you lose the respect of LeBron James and Austin Reeves and it's like, OK, something has to give. Right. Like if, if LeBron James doesn't gel with you, like that's the whole team. Yeah, yeah, I see that. But then then you also get into this scenario where you're the Lakers, you still have LeBron and AD, and now you've got a assistant coach as your head coach. So, I don't know, like, is it better to just have LeBron as your coach? Well, I, we talked about this after our East All-Stars pod, but it feels a little blatty, David Blatty, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah. My thing yeah. that, I, I just, I don't know. They they had such a great run last in, year, last postseason that I'm really surprised this is happening. It seemed like there was a a good rapport with Darvin Ham and, and the team, and they really ran back a lot of the roster. Um, That's yeah. why I am still kind of like, I still I know there's no reason to be high on this team. I'm still pretty high on the Lakers. Oh, I'm there's two lie. reasons to be high on this team. <laughs> I think there's I think Reeves is good enough. To say, like, he's a third reason to be high on this team. Like, he's a really good on-ball creator. His foul drawing has gone down a lot, and that was a big part of his game last year. So either he's got to figure out how to be more efficient without having to draw the fouls, or he's got to learn how to draw fouls again. But, like, I mean, that happens, though, right? When the book's out on you, when it's like, okay, stop going for his pump fakes. Like, that's the thing with Reeves. I've watched enough player games where it's like, if he has the ball in that left wing and he takes three dribbles and gets to the elbow, like, he's going to pump. He's not even going to shoot. You know he's going to pump. Like, Reeves needs to diversify his his scoring game a little bit more. Um, yeah. The interesting thing, I guess, just kind of putting a bow on this little Lakers tangent is I think going into the year, people imagined this Lakers team probably roster construction wise closer to being what the Timberwolves ended up being. And they're really built more like how the Suns are built. It's three guys and then a bunch of minimum dudes that if they're hitting their shots, then you're probably going to blow out a team. 
And if they're not, you know, it, it's dependent on your stars and on the back of your stars to win these games. Yeah, I, I also don't want to be too prisoner of the moment because I'm just going to go over some. So the Lakers are two and eight in their last 10 now. And that includes a loss to the Timberwolves, who are really good. The Thunder, who they actually beat. Uh, the Celtics, another Timberwolves, and the Heat, who I know aren't world beaters, but like Heat can beat anybody. I don't know. I mean, they lost to the Knicks, too. I mean, it's not... They they did play a lot of good teams in this two and eight stretch. They but again they also did lose to the Spurs. That's really bad. They also lost to the Bulls. That's pretty bad. They didn't just lose to the Bulls. They lost by twenty something to the Bulls. Like upcoming, they've got Memphis, Clippers, Toronto, Suns, Jazz, Thunder, Dallas, Brooklyn. I mean, I, the, the way I feel like it always is like if a team goes two and eight, it, they're almost due for. Regression, yeah, a like positive regression. I My know thing is just their offense is it sucks. Like twenty fourth offensive rating in the NBA. Like it, we, it's not a small sample size at this point that their their offense is a stick in the mud. Yeah, it's not good. Which is crazy when you have two players who are playing so good on offense. Yeah, yeah. Like LeBron is still like averaging almost career highs in terms of efficiency across the board. Like if if you would have told. Polinka and Ham that you were going to get this LeBron season. It's like, great. We're the f- first seed. This is amazing. Yeah. I wonder like, nah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's like the big trade is what everyone is like been wanting for this team. And I wonder if it's like the big trade is really more for like a Cam Johnson. Yeah. I mean, if you could get a Cam Johnson, that would like, be great. I don't great. know what the, I don't know the so Lakers assets off the top of the my Nets. heads, but like, yeah, like no one really knows what the Nets want to do, but like, Cam John or even a Dorian Finney Smith, like just another guy where it's like the tough thing about the Lakers asset pool right now is basically it's the same scenario that they were in last year. They've got two picks super, super far in advance that they can kind of play with. But that's super risky when you have a team built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then the young player that they have is Reeves. And then Reeves isn't going. anywhere. Yeah. Reeves isn't going anywhere unless it's for like some legit star did you see um all the talk on simmons podcast about uh a draymond green no they're not trading draymond green they've got the contracts awful trade for the lakers he went to lebron james's birthday party dressed up like a disco guy yeah so gabe vincent isn't going to be back for eight weeks at this point i'm just like I mean, Assuming I will, Gabe the Vincent one, is the never one thing back. that as like a Heat fan, I'm like, you know, if you do get April, May, Gabe Vincent, yeah, that really changes this team. I just don't think they're going to get that guy in a season where he's had multiple surgeries and we haven't seen that body of work outside of a small sample of playoff games last year. Yeah, no, you, you can't. You can't assume that you are going to get that guy at all. But yeah, I mean, like Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, Rui Hachimura has looked like wizards Rui hachimura for this this season um max christie like take it or leave it jalen hochefino we can stop talking about the lakers now but it's just a really interesting conversation i think if they weren't the lakers and if they had a star that wasn't lebron james um but close to the same level the conversation around them would be a little bit different yeah, I mean, so they're the 10 right now. They're they're actually in danger of letting the Warriors pass them for that last play-in spot. So oh my- I just feel like they're, they're due for positive regression. Like a, In a normal NBA year, like the worst team in the league is going through two and eight stretches. Mm-hmm. And like 
like I know the Pistons and Spurs and Wizards have kind of clouded our view of what a normal bad team is, but usually the worst team in the NBA is like 18, 20, 22 wins. And that means they're winning like one out of every four games. Especially in the latter half of the season. Yeah. Like, when like, teams kind of start giving up. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like normally the worst team in the league is going two and eight in their last ten. And it's like just no analysis other than like going two and eight is a statistical outlier. I know it's like not fun to talk about humans interacting with objects that way, but like it's a statistical outlier. Like like when the when the best team in the league goes ten and zero, that's also a statistical outlier, right? It's like the reason we talk about things in per hundred possessions is like everything is a randomized. Ser- I don't know. I'm getting too reductive about it, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it'll. It's kind of like the Mavs last year. We talked about this coming into it. It's like their defense was so so bad last year after the trade that it was like even if they didn't draft lively it's just statistically there's no way it was going to be that bad again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so if they lose to the grizzlies we'll do a full uh where is lebron james getting traded podcast but um yeah (laughs) uh, until then let's just do one oh no you want to do one final wrap up on say it's just saying out loud who our west all-stars are um, because there was a little like, I don't know, back and forth. You had thirteen guys. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I almost didn't put in book. Officially, we both had Luca, Shea, Durant, LeBron, Jokic. Our starters. I had those five. You had Davis in for Durant. Our reserves. We had those two guys we just mentioned, plus Stephen Curry, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Kawhi Leonard, De'Aaron Fox. You had Alperen Sengun. I had Jamal Murray. All right. We're feeling great about it. Feeling I would. Great. I would watch either. So. Last question I have for you. Um, I don't know how available your East All-Star um, picks are. Who do you think would win in a seven-game series between the, the two teams? I think in a real NBA game. In a real NBA game, everyone's fired up. For some reason, they decided to abolish all the teams and just put these two oh, All-Star teams. You know what? I, I think the West wins a real NBA game. But I think the East is going to destroy this all-star game. Just because we've seen Luka and Jokic, who I, we both have as starters, are they have a bad attitude regarding the all-star game. Yeah. It and also helps. the. I know that Giannis, Tatum, and Embiid, and Halliburton are going to give a lot of shits. Also, <laughs> Maxi will give a lot of shits. Yeah. Brunson will, Brunson give, a will give a lot of shits. shits. Lillard has always been pretty good in the all-star game. Jimmy won't give a shit, but they won't play him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, true. the East has too many, like, I care about this guys and the West has way too few of those. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Anthony Edwards will like, look at the West, man. We've got Luca Shea. We got Luca who literally does not try. Jokic does not try. Anthony Davis. LeBron's going to be on the plane. Like, back Kawhi, to you're going to tell me Kawhi Leonard is going to take this really seriously. I don't know, man. I, I don't see it for the West. I think this is going to be an uglier for the West. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, Steph is on the bench. Like he's done this a million times. I think, I think that is a, a safe bet, but we will see going forward. We've got a, a long ways to go. Yeah. Let's, let's hop into hot streak shooting slump. Max, you want to get started with your hot streak shooting slump? Yeah, I think I'm back on a hot streak. Let's go! I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, I, I've i been sleeping well. I've been cooking more. Um, 
I've just been productive in my free time, uh, reading more books. Like a little bit of a New Year's revolution. Yeah, dude. It feels if 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 I do say so myself. Check in with me next week, and I will have abandoned <laughs> all of that. But. I started smoking cigarettes <laughs> this week. <laughs> a pound of pack and a whiskey every day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Hot streak. Hot streak. All right. Uh, I think I'm on a hot streak. You know, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed our all-star conversations. Um, it's a fun pod this week. I finally got back to posting on YouTube. I feel like, feel very energized, invigorated. You know, you know you're in a good spot in life. You're watching like Alex Ramazzi videos and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to conquer the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out to Alex Ramazzi. His videos are awesome. But um, yeah, no, I'm feeling good. I I, I will say I, I would have normally had a shooting slump. I don't know what my sleep has just been awful the last like four days. Like I'm someone who gets like really good sleep almost every day. And I wonder if it's like the overcast because usually like mm. I'm like a natural sleeper. Like I go to bed when I'm tired. I wake up when the sun hits my room. Like no blackout shades in my room. Full windows open. Have you still been kind of on your hiatus? Like last week of vacation kind of kind of vibes or are you completely back in the no the i've been working of- all day both yesterday and today so today i'm hoping to be done with work by like six or seven but yeah no i'm back in it posted my first video of the year on my second channel yesterday it's it's been really fun um started cooking again but you've seen my kitchen so my dishwasher is detached my floors are missing i don't have a drying rack so it's been a little daunting doing cooking because like all right the dishes are dirty where do i put them um first world problems to be honest but that's the whole point of hot streak shooting slump for me to complain about things that aren't worthy of being complained about. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a good week. I'm excited. Like the new year's here. I'm really excited. I feel like we had a really good first year of foul trouble, even though it was really just two and a half months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for it to keep going. Um, yeah. How, how was your week? I had a pretty good week. I, I think I'm on a, a hot streak as well. This is my last week. I start work again on, on Monday. So I was asking that question because my my sleep has been all over the place because I'm just like fully just trying to enjoy myself for one more week before I get like back in a, I guess it's it's almost done. Oh, wait. Actually, I have a story. I feel like I can't do hot streak shooting some without a story. I, I love that. Stories are So great. I didn't mean to cut off the, no, no, the no. week. I want this. I want the story. So I, I don't have any stories. Earlier this year, you know, my brother Jesse and his girlfriend Christina hosted a cocktail making competition where it's about presentation taste those and then overall like who had the best tasting one who had the best looking one who had the best overall and so the first time we did this i went to michael's and built out like a whole platter like from the art supply store and then someone came with me to michael's so both he and my friend had this crazy like platter jesse and christina i found out went to party city and then like the six other people who came that night also all went all out so like the bar was set really high for this where it's like okay you're making like an art project along with a cocktail so fast forward, we do one on New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Eve is like a thing. We have like me, Jesse, Tina, my friend. We have Chris and his wife, Bree. We have um, our friend, another person named Jesse and his friend, Vinny. And, you know, I show and all day, Christina's like, you better bring your A game because you're not going to win this time. And I'm like, stop it. I'm going to win. <laughs> Come on. Um so I go, you know, I go to Michael's. I'm a, I'm a regular at Michael's. I get my molt, I get my oven baked clay. I get my wire mesh. And my the theme was travel, so I did Japan. I did a whole mountain in the oven, painted it, cherry blossoms, made a cherry blossom like sake cocktail. Ooh. 
You know I won best overall. There we That's go. That's what I do. There we That's go. That's what I do. Take home the dub. <laughs> I don't lose that, that kind of no stuff. No way. No way. Here, <laughs> here on, we're pretty serious about our cocktails here on Foul Trouble. I, I gotta yeah, Patrick, say. you got to tell them about your... I know. I mean, I haven't done it for a while, but I that was kind of how I got mixed up in this world is my kind of thing on, on Instagram was I made NBA-inspired cocktails. So I, at some point, maybe for like, the finals. We'll, we got to have like a, a cocktail party. Let's on, let's on foul do trouble. let's do the all star the all star episode. That's fun. Let's whip out the NBA. What was the best NBA cocktail? Hmm. I got to say the most all out that I ever went for one was I made this like I called it the curry coop. And <laughs> what I did is I I made I took like traditional curry spices and I sous vided the um, vodka that I had to make kind of like a Indian inspired curry gin of sorts. And then mix that with some like coconut milk. And I can't exactly remember what else I put in to it, but I did like a, a palm sugar syrup. It was very, very extra and very, very good. It's the kind of thing where like, I was like making at least like one infused syrup, one infused alcohol for every single thing. So people would come over and be like, Hey, like, Make me one of your cocktails. I'm like, I don't have like. Can I get four a legit James, please? Yes, yes, <laughs> anytime. But yeah, I've actually gotten in getting back to my week. I since I've had time to just kind of like enjoy myself. I've been I've been in the kitchen a lot. I've been just like cranking out like some Negronis for myself, okay. which has been very nice. Not not trying to go too like insane, but um, yeah, just cooking a lot you know i've found a lot of joy in recently specifically in the kitchen have you ever just like made popcorn just like in a pan once yeah and it's just like i don't know it's so much easier than i thought it was gonna be and you can just really go like crazy with what you're gonna make around it for uh christmas i made these like these like brown butter dates, like brown butter date confit, which is like, it's basically just like making some brown butter and then slow cooking these dates for like hours until they're just like fall off the core, just sweet and like almost like dessert. But I made those, those were super good, but I had all this leftover brown butter that I like I invested all this time into. And so I made this kind of like cinnamon sugar brown butter popcorn. Oh, that sounds that so was, good. Oh, my God. That was my New Year's. I, me and my girlfriend were just like devouring that stuff. So I've had a good a good week Look as at well. us. Three hot streaks. Have we ever had a triple hot streak? <laughs> I don't think we've ever had a triple hot streak. Yeah, no, I think I think I was on like a three or four week slump, and now I'm I'm back. I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried you were talking so much about like regression to the mean. I don't know what <laughs> is coming in store for us. No, 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 no. The mean <laughs> is me on a hot streak. This is the regression. This is the progression. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I hope you guys are having hot streaks out there in the world as well. You got anything else for us, James? Uh, yeah. So just again, we're up, updating the posting schedule Monday, Thursday here in 2024, except which week are we doing a Tuesday? Uh, it's not next week, but the week after. Okay. Yeah. So we are we're sticking to a new schedule, except we're completely abandoning the schedule this week. <laughs> Sorry. And not next week, but the week after. But it's okay. I mean, one day difference. You guys 
hopefully you guys will survive without hearing Patrick and I's voices. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for watching the Foul Trouble Podcast. We love you guys. Uh, we will catch you around. See you soon.